Hello, 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 and welcome to The Fandom Show, the podcast where we learn about fantastic fandoms by talking to our favorites about their favorites. I'm Kaya Green. And I'm Stephanie Malley. And today we are talking about the franchise that made every Chris you know famous. It is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, that's the theme, right? That's the, absolutely. Nailed it perfectly. Uh, Kaya, before we jump into this and introduce our guest, mm-hmm. what do you know about the Marvel Cinematic Universe? What don't I know? Lots. Um, <laughs> I have seen a number of the movies uh, in Phase 1, Phase 2, and like up until sort of Infinity War. I will admit I sort of fell off after that, but I do know that the Marvel Cinematic Universe was Marvel's attempt to uh, make a bunch of different individual uh, superheroes and like combine them into uh, what they call a cinematic universe. (laughs) (laughs) It's this company called Marvel. You see, what they did was they used cinema to make a universe. I think in my mind, the way I sort of see it and I, I assume is kind of was kind of the thinking is like in comics there are all sorts of overlapping characters and overlapping universes and alternate universes and like all the stuff that can sometimes make comics really intimidating to get into and they thought let's also do that but with movies and I think that's super clever because that is how comics lore is built out um, and I think obviously it worked incredibly well now because it's um, one of like two types of movies we have now. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's this and other movies. Uh, yeah. And, like, I mean, they're, they make amazing content. They build up amazing heroes. And it's very cool how they intertwine all of them. So I've always really liked sort of the craftsmanship and how they do that. That's kind of a little bit of what I know about nice. it. Steph, what do you know about the MCU? Chris Evans. <laughs> no, I love Chris Evans. But, um, no, I, I've watched all of the main stories. I, I have watched... Um, yeah, the individual hero films for the most part. I have never watched any of the Hulk movies. I don't know why. I don't feel like it. So <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you more than that. It just, my gut says, I'm good. The Hulk uh, movies are also a bit of an outlier. Yeah. We can talk about that later. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I've, I've followed the main thread. I've watched the Spider-Man movies. I've watched the Captain America movies. I would say the more recent stuff, other than the big releases, which I have not seen the Doctor Strange movie yet. Yes, one. I have not as well. Uh, but we did see Shang-Chi. Uh, it was great. What else do we see? I don't know. We've seen a bunch of them, but I would say I'm very surface level, very um, broad brushstrokes yeah. of my understanding of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I feel like one of the caveats to this is there's so much to it that like, if we just sat here and named every single movie we had seen, the podcast would be over and we never would have introduced our wonderful guest for today. Our wonderful guest uh, <laughs> is the incredible Liz Johnson. She's part of the Second City Touring Company. She's an incredible performer and comedian and also just a lovely human. Uh Hi, Liz. How you doing? Hey, good. Thank you so much. Liz, what you Googling on your phone? I was just looking some stuff up to refresh my brain as you were talking. (laughs) Um, Hi, it's so nice to be here. Some of what you've said about the MCU is... A tragedy. Someone <laughs> I'm, just, no, I'm, just I'm. I kid. Okay. I wanted to preface my my being here okay. by saying that I recognize, and I know you have assured me that this is about my personal fandom mm-hmm. connection to yeah. the. And I recognize that that's what this is, but I also appreciate that there will be people listening that will um, 
know far more than I do and will say, good grief, get her out of here. <laughs> and to those people, I wish to say, I, I'm sorry. You know, I got some hot takes and I love the MCU a lot. And, uh, you know, if I'm wrong, I will I will apologize profusely. Prof- Let's just take it again. Uh, <laughs> let's just start again. Oh, God. Oh, uh, no. I will say, uh, for anyone listening, you may or may not know this already about this show, but it truly is a show about people's individual love of the fandom. We're not here to necessarily give you every single minute detail of a thing, but rather uh, the fans' approach to the things that they love. Yeah, because that's a good thing about, like, there's no there's no gatekeeping here. No. There's no doing it right or doing it wrong, um, unless you're really doing it wrong, but we'll assess that as we go on yeah, throughout the we'll podcast. Yeah. Oh, remember when I said Loosely, it's all <laughs> happening to me. You're doing great, Liz. No, uh, Liz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so stressed. I don't know why I, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, don't worry, we won't tell anyone your Twitter face. handle so no one can at you. Yeah, my, my at is yeah. just whoopsie daisy at twitter.com. <laughs> so Liz, Liz is coming to this with just, with fear in her heart. Yeah. Let's but, get going. But love in her soul. But love in her Let's soul. Let's dig in. Um, Liz, if someone were about to delve into the world of the Marvel Cinematic Universe for their mm. first time, sort of what, what advice would you give? Like, how, how would you approach that? Thank you for asking. Um, okay. Okay, so I believe... Hmm, how, where to begin? I think the MCU is so much fun because there are so many pieces that connect and because it created this world which existed in the comics, but... You know, on screen, there's there's things, of course, you can do. I mean, whatever. Every medium has its own thing. What am I talking about? Here's what I want to say. <laughs> I think when you start out, when you watch Iron Man, I would say that's a good place to begin. Yeah. Which was the very first of them, right? Uh, well, yes, I know. I mean, you'll get into the, like, people that will talk about the Hulks, but... Like the pre-Hulk. Oh, the Eric Bana Hulk? Yeah, but it's like, that doesn't count. Yes, Iron Man was the first one. Yeah. Um... And so I think Iron Man is an exciting movie in itself. And so if you're getting into the MCU, just watch the movies for the movies. If you happen to start to enjoy the way they interconnect and the Easter egg moments and all of these kinds of things, amazing. But start for just the ones that you might like because there's some people that watch all of the Spider-Man movies and love them and haven't watched any of the others. There's people that will just watch Thor movies why? I don't know. <gasps> He's watching Thor Dark World and being like, whoopee, whoopee. Just kidding. Maybe you had a great time. You love Kate elves. Kate Blanchett. But she's that's not, not in Dark World. world. That's, oh. um, See, it's happening already. Don't at me. Don't at me. <laughs> I told you I knew nothing. Nobody's but, getting added. Uh, no. People love the, the Thor movies. People love whatever the version is. And, and so enjoy those and don't feel that you have to because I do think the MCU can become overwhelming, especially now that it's branching out into so many different TV shows. Um and films and storylines. Like we had kind of the Infinity Saga, which was this everyone kind of working together into the Avengers to fight the main villain, the big bad, to use the Buffy speak, uh, which was Thanos. But then now I think we're in a place where it's like they're actually, you have the multiverse group and you have the street group and you have, you know, the new Avengers and you have the young. Anyway, so there's all of this exciting stuff, but it can be overwhelming. So I think just start with what you like and go yeah. from there. Okay, so find the find the people that you kind of attach yourself to, your hero, which yeah. I think is how I, it's been recommended that you get into comics as well. It's just like find the one you like, follow yeah. that, and then see where that leads you. Totally. Awesome. Uh, what's your origin story? How did you come into Marvel's cinematic universe and get kind of hooked in? Ooh. 
Well, like so many before me, Sam <laughs> Raimi's Spider-Man. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> well, I do think so. That is the movie that a lot of people credit with kind of reinvigorating the superhero genre. Absolutely. Uh, and it did such a good job at that and introduced new people like myself to Spider-Man. Um, and so from there, I think it was kind of really brilliant on Kevin Feige's point to be like, okay, we're going we're gonna to bring back all these different heroes that we own that Sony doesn't own because obviously Spider-Man belonged to Sony at that point yes. and we're going to make them into heroes and Iron Man was not going to be, no one would have been like you know who's going to be the best movie out there Iron Man yeah let's start with that one because like Iron Man was kind of very out of favor at yeah that point, it, if well, I recall correctly I mean and again maybe again comic comic heads out there let me know but it did feel for sure like Iron Man was not the popular choice to Bit start of a dark with. Horse. Hulk was more recognizable. Obviously, Spider-Man was doing the thing. The X-Men movies were happening. Like all of these kind of other heroes were much bigger. Uh, they had attempted and failed with other things like you know Fantastic Four. Oh yeah. But I think, <laughs> but I think Iron Man was such a kind of magical moment where they got RDJ at such a time in his career where his, and you know you see this with actors sometimes where it lines up with the character they're playing and it couldn't go any better. It's a kind of, you know, comeback-ish story. He played it so brilliantly and it was just fun. And it came at a time, I think, where movies, we had moved past the disaster films of the late 90s you know, Boy, early 2000s. We, yeah. we, and myself in particular, love those movies. Oh, you're a real day after tomorrow <laughs> head over there? Literally, yes. yes I know. I know. <laughs> Armageddon. Armageddon is the best film of all time. Doesn't matter. Just kidding, but like not. So <laughs> um, anyway, Iron Man, I think, kind of filled this fun action hole that, that existed with this character that was really magnetic and that people kind of attached themselves to. And... You know, with the first kind of stinger where you have, uh, you know, in Hulk and in Iron Man, when you have these movies start to connect to each other, you see Fury wanting to do the Avengers. You see, In these stingers, sorry, stingers being the scenes at the very end of the credits. Right. Which is kind of what MCU did so brilliantly to tease out what was coming. And so any nerd whether you were into Marvel at all, I think kind of got into this idea of like, oh, I can stay on top of this and I can know more and I can read more about it and these characters are going to start to come together. And right. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was really, that's how I got into it. It was just I really liked Iron Man and I really liked that it gave me the opportunity to kind of get in on the ground floor of these characters. I hadn't read all the comics and I found the comics really intimidating because there were so many versions. Yep. And, so many expansive worlds and so many arcs that I was like, oh, I can't keep up. Where do you start? Um, and so this felt like, here you go. Here's a place to start. Yeah. Um, they served it up on a platter for you. Yeah. Like, voila, entry point. Yeah. yeah. So that, that I think, was a really good, nice, easy way to have that happen. And no one thought. It's the same thing, I think, like with the first Star Wars movie where it's like they make this movie. They're like, ah, ah, and it works. And then they get to make two, and then suddenly you see, oh, actually, surprise, flip down chart, the world is completely <laughs> right. The release you know, schedule for the next 30 out. years. Yeah, yeah. but it's so, it's so cool to see that kind of thing work. Okay, yeah. so that kind of brings me to, there are sort of phases to this plan, right? Mm, yes. um, so, like, it started with Iron Man being sort of in phase one. Yeah. Um, what, how, how else would you sort of parse out those phases? I know they're pretty comprehensive, so get, just give us sort of a light <laughs> overview. You don't need to give well, us the... Well, so phase one is kind of the Iron Man arc. 
really, but it's leading up to the Avengers. So you get introduced to all of our heroes. You get Thor, and you meet Captain America, and you, um, and who, I mean, Hawkeye, like, slips in quietly. <laughs> Same thing with... Also uh, me! <laughs> and Black Widow. And so you get these characters kind of starting to fill out a little bit, um, and then you have that phase ends with the Avengers, which I love as a film. Yeah, um, I agree. So much fun. It did a very difficult job of taking all of these sort of disparate characters, mm-hmm. which have their own very sort of detailed worlds yeah. and like and purposes, and, needs and, and they really don't belong together. And I have my feelings about Sir Joss Whedon, mm-hmm. um, but How dare you, sir? sir. <laughs> Good point. Take uh, it away. What's the opposite of sir? Let me try this again. I have some feelings about that fucking jackass <laughs> Joss Whedon. Um, Let's but, not bring the jackass franchise. Yeah, into exactly. This. That's a different cinematic universe. <laughs> um, the pain cinematic universe. Um, but with that said, he did as a screenwriter do a good job of figuring out how they all work together. Absolutely. I think so too. And, and then he I... tanked it in the next one. Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a journey. Yeah, no, I think uh, The Avengers was was so brilliant the way it brought the characters together and the way it used humor, which obviously we didn't always does, but I think the MCU's always had a really nice touch at using a sense of humor yeah. to do these things, whereas sometimes it would be taken much more seriously. But, you know, we have that first fight scene where you've got Thor and you've got Captain America and you've yeah. got uh, Iron Man, and it's just a bit absurd. Yeah. Um, Possible controversial take. I think that's what DC does wrong, but that's for a different episode. Woo-hoo. <laughs> We're going to get into... Kaya Green, yeah. if you have feelings <laughs> about that. You, you can add me. I deserve that. <laughs> but I think you're right. I think that we see so much of the success that the MCU has had is because... They have these these moments of levity, and also they have performers who can actually do it. Yeah, I understand that reference. Yeah, that kind of thing. And I, yeah, exactly. Uh, and so I think um, anyway. So that's kind of phase one. Phase two, we start to build in some of the other characters a little bit more. You start to branch out into other worlds, which is kind of fun. Um, and yeah, I mean, you have Ultron which a lot of people agree is a whoopsie because I think what happened, which was a failure there, was that Ultron was supposed to be this kind of mega villain and um, they just didn't give it the weight it needed. So he was instead, a bit goofy. He was a bit goofy, but also he was suppo- it was supposed to be this, you know, this life-changing, kind of altering experience for Iron Man who created this, you know, demon version of himself. Like, it was an interesting storyline generally, and he was supposed to be really powerful, but it ended up just being like, oh, actually, no, he's not that powerful, and he's gone now. Like, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, within kind of one... mean Siri. Moving on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and... <laughs> Truly. And so I think... Uh, I think that was a bit of a letdown just generally. Uh, but then, and then you get phase three. I mean, and there were still some really fun parts in phase two. Let's not, yeah. let's not forget. We had some fun. And they introduced some new heroes in phase two, right? For sure. I think, oh God, this is where I'm like, what's You don't need to be me? specific about No, 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 it. I can. Let's just have a little minute here. Let's just take a beat. Because I think phase two, we even got friggin', this is where I'm like, don't kill me. Yeah, because Gardens of the Galaxy would have been phase two. Yeah, yep. totally. Um, I think. <laughs> and, I think so. I think uh, you're right. I, we didn't get Doctor Strange until phase three. And yeah. um, same thing with Captain Marvel. Black Panther, I think, is phase two. I think you might be right. Um, yeah. You know, what a journey we're on. Just Phase two and three blend in together they do a little my, bit. My they mind. do a little bit for me because there wasn't too much in terms of kind of a major... Uh, event. I think then 
in phase three, so much happens so fast. Oh, Ant-Man, I think, was in phase two. Oh, yes, yeah. that's totally and phase two. So I think phase three, you get so much happening all at once, building to um, the Infinity War endgame situation. Was, was Civil so, War third Yeah, phase, phase three started with Civil War. So it, it kind of like started there. in a big way, which I think was why it's so many people's kind of favorite or whatever. It's the most kind of impactful piece of the universe because it starts in this huge way, which is kind of interior. You have Captain America versus Tony Stark, really, Iron Man. And, you know, but then also you have all of these kinds of, like, the Guardians of the Galaxy are on their own kind of personal journey. Thor has to fight his sister. Like, it's a very kind of, I don't know, familial uh, strengthening for these characters. Uh, But... Then you build to Thanos, which kind of brings everybody back in, in a way, and I think did it really well. And I think by the time, and I say what you will about Infinity War and Endgame, there's a lot of opinions out there, but I do think Infinity War was brilliant at the way it had to take on so many storylines. Oh my God, So many worlds, so many tertiary characters, and... Who each needed their moment in yeah. to shine, but you only have X amount of time, so especially time. given how it ends. Like, oh you my need gosh. to give them those beats, otherwise it's not emotionally otherwise satisfying. Otherwise it's nothing, I know. So then you have that, it ends, the blip happens, another controversial time, we're still having, talking about the blip, we love it. And the blip, <laughs> for those of you out there, of course, it, well, it's not the blip to begin with, it's the fact that Thanos snaps everyone out of existence. We all know, we saw the dust memes. Yeah, and 50% of the population. 50% of the universe yeah. poof, goes bye-bye. And then, uh, of course, at the end of Endgame, Tony is able to snap. Spoiler alert! I mean, it's 4,000 years spoiler ago. Spoiler alert! Right, spoiler. <laughs> Tony. There will be some spoilers for the MCU, <laughs> FYI. I'm not going to spoil anything new. This is what I wanted to say. Yes. So by the time we get to there, Tony snaps everyone back. That's the blip is some people have just kind of been missing for five years, which I think is one of the most interesting things to explore in a universe. Totally. Where you have so much of the population disappeared and then came back. And Do how we- does that work? And... It, Anyway, I just think that part is so cool, and that's what the TV shows, some of them are kind of exploring. So that's kind of the end of phase three, really ends with uh, the Spider-Man film. And um, and then we go into phase four, which is kind of what does it look like after Tony, after kind of Avengers classic. Um, and we get so many of these TV shows, and we start playing with reality and we, all these kinds of things. So and that's where it kind of, I think, branches out in a big way. And I'd, I think for me, because there's so much to talk about in phase four and the new shows that I would love to talk mostly about phases one through three generally. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's good too, because like uh, phase four is still very much in progress. So it it's kind of hard to see it from a macro level and seeing what yeah. it becomes because we don't know yet. Totally. And yeah. it feels, it's interesting. I mean, having said, I don't want to talk about it. Here I am. I think, the, <laughs> I think <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. And here I don't know, but I have a lot of opinions. No, but I do think it's interesting because I think fans like myself are clinging to what was the kind of Avengers Infinity arc of like, I can see where it's building to, I see where everyone has to come together, I know who the villain is. It was really clear and nice. And so I think people who are still kind of looking for that in a way, I think people who have read the comics and are more familiar with the universe generally are like, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, bring him in. I want to see who this person is and bring this person is and where's Kingpin and all this kind of stuff. Totally. But I think... um, I think for a lot of people who, like myself, kind of got into it because they could follow it a little more easily, um, 
they're looking for, I think the multiverse version of the MCU right now or part of the MCU is kind of the most recognizably, you know, it's, it is progressing in a certain way. We know there's probably going to be a major villain in Kang, but we're not sure. Like, yeah. I think there's a lot of this, which is really cool. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot going on. There's a lot to keep up with. Um, and a lot of the shows, some of the shows are good. Some of the shows are fine. I've not, I've not watched them all. Do you have hot takes on which ones you like and which ones you're like? I mean, I haven't. I think strong. I enjoyed WandaVision quite a bit. I like WandaVision oh, a lot. so fun. But I as a TV nerd, I every single one of those Absolutely. references, I was like, yay. <laughs> yeah. I think it played on so many different tropes so well. I think, and the characters there were so fun. And I think The discussion of grief was so good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that obviously is going to play a major role in terms of Wanda's loss, not wanting to do any spoilers, Yeah. Um, of certain characters from that show kind of now playing out through the multiverse is kind of cool and and harkens back to Harkness back. Whoa! <laughs> it was Agatha all along. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> so I thought WandaVision uh, is kind of cool. And I think WandaVision was great. I loved Loki. I loved... Uh, I think every, everyone was surprised by Hawkeye. I think everybody went into Hawkeye saying, really? And yet... You assumed we went into Hawkeye at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, those who went into Hawkeye went in like this mm, and came out like this. Oh, um, <laughs> so, nice turnaround. <laughs> so I think that's kind of fun. Moon Knight is an interesting one. Uh, I think everyone can agree Falcon and the Winter Soldier was a bit of a yipey dipey. <laughs> and um, <laughs> a bit of a snooze fest, if you ask me. How many times did they return to that friggin' boat? <laughs> anybody else? Anybody out there with opinions on? I remember watching this. We were watching with some friends, and at the number of times they went back to the storyline about the goddamn boat, I was like, I don't. It's not building any character. We get it. What if the boat's a character though? You don't know. Also, you're friends with back? so many millionaires at this point. <laughs> Just honestly, be like, can we borrow some money to figure out this friggin' boat? And I know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't. It really doesn't matter. Okay, everybody, stop everything. We're talking about the boat. <laughs> Someone, right. someone out there is going to have watched the show and have the same boat opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, so some hits, some misses. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, so who are the, like, standout heroes in this world for you? Do you have any, like, favorite uh, heroes in mm. there, favorite uh, stories? Favorite that... villains, conversely? Ooh. I mean, uh, mm, good question. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, we could go around the table if you want. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's hard because there's I like so many of them for so many different reasons. Um, to the, you know, front of mind, uh, Frick. I mean, Loki is so fun. Yeah. As a villain, as an anti-villain, as an anti-hero, as a, like, uh, just so beautiful. So well played. Yeah, Tom. Yeah. And given so many opportunities for play, like what a gift to yeah. have it be like, you've been reset to a former self. It's so cool. Also, spoiler uh, alert for the Loki series. Yeah. Of course he falls in love with himself. <laughs> yeah, pretty hilarious. <laughs> That's the most perfectly Loki thing in the world. And yeah. I think that was such an interesting one where you kind of did and didn't want them to have any kind of romantic tension, but then at the same, yeah, there is something weirdly satisfying of just like, this is the only way this person could have feelings is for themselves. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think Loki stands out for me for sure. I think like, it's hard. A lot of people will say that every hero story is the same. Oh, Every single one is essentially... Exactly the same formula. Same beats, same. So it's like, same act breaks, yeah, same here we go. Arcs. There's a bit of a we see what happened in the past, maybe. 
we get, uh, you know, we get to know them in the present, and then a character from their past comes back. Maybe they knew about them, maybe they didn't. You know, you, you've got Killmonger coming in Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Uh, One of my favorite villains in the MCU, by the way. Huge. Huge, huge fan of Killmonger as a villain. Yeah, me too. Love them. Uh, and I think, uh, what I mean, every other a- Iron Man gets friggin' what's-his-nuts his like family friend is like actually I'm a villain too or right. in number two it's actually your dad screwed over my dad so right. I'm gonna like every yep. time we had and Thor you know it's the brother who's yep. coming or actually it's also the dark elf who is screwed over by his dad or it's his secret sister who he did you know it's always the same they come from the past and they're like here's the thing they get defeated they're like oh I'll never win and then they do win um, and something kind of maybe changes question mark it's very very hard, you know, like you think of Ego in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, it's the same thing. Yeah. So it's hard, I think, in terms of kind of the stories. Inevitably, I'm like, I kind of attach myself to the overarching stories that these characters have because inevitably they are very similar. <laughs> um, but so, one has a beard. But one's got a beard and a hammer. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. So I think like I think Black Widow, the Black Widow movie was really interesting in that way. Um, it did a lit- little bit of that. Um, but I thought nice to be able to have a film about a character who is gone. So the stakes are kind of interesting in it because you already know the outcome for this character. Yeah. So that made it a little bit different. I enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed the Captain Marvel movie. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of them out there. I think Black Panther. I love. I think you you can't watch the movies and not enjoy a bit of a, a Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. You just listen. Yeah. He's charming as hell. He's charming as hell. He's just Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, he, he is, is literally just Robert and, Downey Jr. <laughs> yeah, he carried the friggin' franchise on his back for a while, and power to him. And of course, I'm not gonna not mention Lil Cutie Patootie. Um, Spider-Man. Thank oh, you. Well, He's my boy. We're all obsessed with Tom Holland. I love him. I know. Tom He's... Holland, I know you're listening. Please <laughs> at us. We think you're wonderful. <laughs> I think Tom Holland is so, just him. We love Tom Holland. Um, and his Spider-Man is yeah. so fun. We love a we love a short king. And yeah. the newest Spider-Man movie, friggin' oh my God. Oh. It's so good. There so were just good. some very satisfying moments in there, and I, I don't want to get too spoiler heavy on that because that's mm-hmm. not what you're you're <laughs> you were prepared for today. But uh, some of those third act things and the way they sort of tie up, yeah, uh, sort of uh, loose threads, not just in that Marvel Spider Man, but in like various Spider Mans. Yes, is kind of like wonderful and it's charming. Incredible. And so and that's so fun. what I think is the best thing about the MCU is because they're so big, because they they can count on so much success, they can do things that other movies just can't. They That's can, true. Like, to be able to pull those actors in and to get different studios to work together in that way and, like, get them to agree to do... And, you know, it just... No other group could really do this. Like, maybe if you have an amazing director, they could say, come back and play this character for me again, right. maybe. But it's just wild to me that they got all of these actors, not just the main characters, but the you know, the villains that we saw, all of these people to come back and say, yeah, sure, of course, and to get the studios and to get all of that and to, yeah, I don't know. I just thought, I was like, oh, this is cool that they can do it. Right, so just the scale of it. Yeah, just the scale and and the eagerness for people to work for. That's the other thing, too. I know there's some bad blood in 
certain things around the MCU. But for the most part, stuff you hear about it is like uh, from every performer, from most directors, it's like I really liked getting to work in this world, in this yeah. with these people, with these producers. They seem to be quite a positive, which is also a nice thing as a fan watching yeah. and thinking, oh, okay, hopefully, hopefully, knock on wood, these are all kind of good experiences. Yeah. And to have actors, you know, where it's like Scarlett Johansson is like making multiple Oscar-worthy films in a year and is like, but also I love my friggin' Marvel family and yeah. I got to make Black Widow. It's nice. It's Kate nice. Blanchett's just like, yeah, sure, yeah. I've played every role under the sun. Let's go be a, a dark elf queen. Done well, it before, yeah. do it again. And like... <laughs> It's so fun. Like, in the beginning, they had all, they had, to me, the idea where they have friggin', oh my God, what is his name? Someone help me. Happy, the man who plays Happy, yeah, who's yeah. a director. Oh, John Favreau. Thank you. John Favreau directing a film side by side with Kenneth Branagh directing a film yep. in the same kind of arcing story. You're like, cool. What, who else is doing this? Yeah. yeah. And Sick. It's, it's neat because they're also bringing in like a variety of different types of directors. Taika Waititi is a yes. very like different yes. type of director. But I think like Thor has very much been defined by like his sense of humor. Cause I think when Ragnarok came along, it was like, we saw a little humor totally. with Thor before and now we're going to like walk that out. And oh, it yeah. totally changed the character. Thor's totally. original movie was no, like and not to be rude, it wasn't very fun. Com- um, compared to where he's ended up, yeah, for sure. And I once mean, they discovered his uh, his comedic timing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, shit, Hemsworth is funny. He's so funny. <laughs> Taika Waititi, I saw an interview with him recently where we were talking about, um, uh, they showed a picture of Chris Hemsworth and was like, it, how is he as an improviser? And he's like, he's one of the most brilliant improvisers I've ever seen. Like, what he, the magic he brings is. It's so cool. Well, you think of his, yeah, his roles he's been able to play in that way. And so much they talk about in Thor, Ragnarok, how much they allowed for improv, which is so cool on a movie of that size. Yeah. Where you know every minute costs <laughs> $5 million. Yeah. But it's allowing that play still is so cool. And to... even like Chloe Zhao directing, I think, was such an interesting yeah. moment. And again, a lot of people have opinions about Eternals and about her direction for it. But I still think giving these directors these opportunities to work at this scale um, and and keep their creative vision of it. You know, they are they are part of the MCU, but they are also what this director has envisioned for this film. And sometimes, like in the Taika case, they start to bleed out into everything else, which yep. is really yeah. cool. But but same with the Whedon take. Like, that was yeah. such a quintessentially Whedon film when mm-hmm. he directed, um, which one did he direct? Avengers. 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 Yeah. Um, but uh, it still fits into the rest of the realm. It doesn't feel tonally too different from the rest of it. It, it manages mm-hmm. to blend in. Yeah. Um, okay, so quickly before we move on to some hot, spicy takes. Okay. Um, what are your sort of m- most favorite, most iconic moments that, like, sort of moved you the most? And this will oh, be spoiler heavy, yeah, I imagine. Yeah, I guess this is a lot of spoilers. I mean, oh, my God, things that moved me the most. Or whatever your definition oh my of that gosh. is. Moments that stick out when someone says, Huge. MCU. Huge. What the biggies. Uh, frig. Okay, well, I mean... Inevitably, people go to the, and some people claim it was partially improvised and some people don't uh, dig in on the internet. Um, but uh, in the snap moment, we all remember the Tom Holland, uh, <laughs> um, the Spider-Man was, death scene. That was absolutely going to be my first, it's, first yeah. suggestion. And, yeah. it, and, and I think that did such a beautiful thing in that film of grounding it in reality a little yeah. bit. Because you're so far flung at that point. You're on a different 
plant moon, you know, quite gravity is off, and like it's so bizarre. They're so fully surrounded by green screen, Um, and yet his performance there and and Roberts, but particularly his performance there of the you know, please sir, I don't want to go, is so good and so grounding that everyone starts crying. I remember being in the theater and everyone being like. Like, oh, I, I wept little baby tears. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's a lot of moments in that where people do disappear and everyone's kind of freaking out. But I think that one was really, um, yeah, really the heartbreaking one. And then, I mean, inevitably, there's the I am Iron Man snap. Yeah. Which, you know, was cheesy in all the right ways. Yes. It was, you know, a heart, we're harking back to his original line of Iron, Iron Man and... Uh, yeah, I think I've watched <laughs> I've watched the um, footage of him doing the snap just on green screen, like just <laughs> with nothing around him. And you just see these moments for these actors and they're in these huge pieces of costume and with nobody else, right? Just a camera and like some falling rubble yeah. and a great giant green screen and they have to do this eye. Iron Man, and then do the thing. And it just is so absurd. You think of the level of absurdity of the jobs these people have to do and still make them um, interesting and nuanced and grounded and whatever. Yeah. And, and Resonant. So, yeah, so I thought that was that was a, that was a big moment for sure. Yeah, oh, even McKellen really spoke to that from doing, I think it was The Hobbit that was so primarily green screened. And mm. he was just like, it was madness. It mm-hmm. was one of the most awful experiences as Nothing an actor because you're, you have n- no grounding. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, so amazing that they pulled out those performances. Well, and that I think is where inevitably you get, and there's so much, again, there's a lot of people who are grumpy about the films in general because they use, everything is so plotted out from the beginning based off of, you know, the, the fight sequences and the drawings and whatever that they have. I forget the word. You all know the word. Concept art? No, no. There's Do like you, a particular, it's literally they have the the large scale CGI things. There's another word too. Uh, uh, we'll asset. get to it. Previs. <laughs> previs, yeah. Previs. Oh. So they, it's previs. Thank you, Kaya. So Welcome. It's, it's previs in a way where they everything is so plotted at this point for these large movies. Yeah. Um, and so, and that, and you know, that's where I think you get a lot of these directors being like, they're not even movies. Fine, fine, blah, blah. But I think. <laughs> I, I we think, get it, Mr. Scorsese. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm, I'm sorry your movie didn't do very well. Um, <laughs> Try putting I, more rats at the end. <laughs> but I think they, <laughs> lol, rats, the departed, it was great, actually. Okay, uh, anyway, um, anyway, I think. To still leave, you need to leave these beats for these performances because that's what people remember. Yeah. You know, no one is really being like, I remember the second pew pew from the (laughs) top of that Wow, Liz, how dare you steal mine? (laughs) Sorry, that was a really moving moment. No one remembers that. Everyone's going to be talking about these beats for these characters. Um, So I think it's good that they leave that, and I hope that they continue to leave those extended... I don't know. What are yours? Yeah, I mean, uh, mine. Mine kind of speaks to that as well. Is it's the the on your left moment Uh Um, because like the the moment where they all come back from the snap. Oh yeah. Because like where everyone cheered. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that's the moment where everything like say what you want. um, Everybody probably has a different place where this feels the most resonant for them. Mm -hmm. But for me, the whole point of doing the MCU is to give you time to fall in love with these characters and time to give a shit about them. It's the thing that I have often liked more about TV than film 
even though there's many films I love very much, but I love characters so much that the longer I get to spend with them, the more I get attached to them, the more they become my friends, right? right. And like that moment where some of the people you thought you were never going to see again, you you knew, you but knew. still. <laughs> <laughs> but still, the, the moment where it's on your left and all of these people show up again and you're like, there's Black Panther, there's yeah. Spider-Man, there are all these people that we've cared about for so long. Yeah. That as like you can say it's cheesy, you can say it's comic book, you can say it's Hollywood, but it uh, unequivocally was fun as hell. Oh my god! And the feeling you said is stuff. The feeling in the theater. It's nice to go. To, the, what I think Marvel does well is you go to a movie to see a movie. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're struggling in this world where I can sit on my computer and watch half the stuff I'm going to watch in the theater anyway. Yeah. Um, but in that situation, you want to be around people. You want to be with your friends and strangers who love this thing, and all go. Ah! when everyone yeah. shows up and you get to say oh my god there's this person and this character and this person and they got all of them in one room is shocking and so exciting and there isn't there's so few experiences like that and it's like sports yeah you know you totally. get to see all these people that you love and you get to be around the people that also love them and it's the energy so in exciting. the room is just electric in those yeah. moments and you're just like oh, I can't be quiet and it's so fun yeah, yeah totally and it's one thing that I was watching a video about Lindsay Ellis talking about Game of Thrones recently where she was talking about um, the idea of like just because the audience doesn't see, see it coming doesn't make it interesting mm -hmm. it doesn't make it plot and it's oh like you 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 can that's a separate episode Game, Game um, of Thrones. but you can <laughs> you know it's coming mm. you know they're coming back mm. and that almost makes it better because everybody's waiting for it and anticipating it and then yeah. when it shows up you're like there it is <laughs> they're back you know and i think like sometimes we really underestimate the you know it's coming that's why it's good yeah you know yeah steph um, so you both have talked about these beautiful moments, oh, no. these epic <laughs> pieces of cinematic uh, history. Here's where I'm coming in with the things that I remember. Number one, mm -hmm. Captain America ripping a log in half okay. <laughs> with his bare hands. That image has stuck with me. I screamed in the theater a little bit. It was very attractive. Number two, um, this was... I, don't, I love the direction that they took with Thor and specifically the outside of the movie's content. Mm -hmm. So they had two different ones yeah. that I will never forget and I watch occasionally. Number one is what Thor's doing during Civil War. Oh, yeah. and he's just hanging out he's in Australia? He's just hanging out with a roommate in yeah. Australia. Hilarious. Uh, has nothing to do. Wonders why the Avengers won't talk to him. <laughs> Um, oh, good. Just uh, at one point, we have Bruce Banner come in getting a phone call from Tony Stark and just uh, Thor being like, who's that? Tell Tony I say hi. <laughs> uh, and the other one is for, um, I forget which, which uh, the one with Kate Blanchett, the Thor move with Kate Blanchett. Yeah, Ragnarok. Ragnarok, um, where they basically do an improv show with like cardboard props <laughs> before oh. the movie. And they're yeah. all coming in and throwing like cardboard things. And that just... Personally resonated. I mean, Liz, you were in a, a, a Star Trek and a Star Wars show yes. improv with me. Uh, and just, yeah, that beautiful spirit of creating something out of nothing, I just really, really appreciate. I have to assume Taika Waititi was involved in those two things somehow. I yeah. mean, also getting, one of the things that killed me was in Ragnarok. It's Ragnarok, right? Oh, God. Yeah. I yeah. don't remember. The, no, I might not be. The one with where they have the little play with Matt Damon. 
Oh, oh, that, wait, was that right? I don't know if it was. I think it Whatever. might have been. Point is. Doesn't matter. Uh, I'm like, was it friggin' Doctor Strange? You know when they all meet up with? No, I don't. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Um, no, it was right. <laughs> this is a journey for me. Anyway, they podcast and, is over. We gotta uh, figure this out. <laughs> but to have, and of course, yeah, it was Tyka because Sam Neil was there, and so to have Sam Neil and Matt Damon play these dinky, funny little parts. I was, it was so funny as if they got yeah. these people and they're in it for two seconds and then they're gone and, and they're making fun of the movie that no one liked as much, dark, you know, Dark yeah. World. And I just, the levels on levels was so much yeah. fun in that. Yeah. And so, I think, so, so that's ultimately my favorite part about it is the, the way that they infuse humor into these really um, over the top stakes and characters yeah. and situations. And then there's just this goofball antics going on in the background. Totally. Yeah. It kind of has this like, in my mind, mythic quality. They like, they really built this out as modern myth. Mm-hmm. Um, like mm-hmm. it's, they're Greek gods yeah. and yeah. the way they treat them. Uh, they're Asgardian. Norwegian uh, as, as uh, yeah. gods. Um, anyway, they, they are kind of a modern version of that in that they also get to be like human and silly and stupid and yeah. it's what yeah. makes their their epicness palatable and fun yeah well and that's like I remember another one wow we'll just go on forever I won't I <laughs> but I think like the Wakanda moment where there's so many but when when they first when oh. you first fly into Wakanda and mm-hmm. the music is there and it's so good and suddenly you know you fly through the force field that was also so friggin cool and felt like mythology and felt that movie did such a good job of kind of dropping us into this modern myth which you know anyway I thought that was so cool Black Panther was amazing easily one of my favorites and I feel like we could do a whole episode on that alone and we have to move on okay Uh, yeah so we're about to head into hot takes but before we do uh, this episode is brought to you by tpublic.com, where you can find your next favorite t-shirt. Uh, tpublic has unique and nerdy designs where you can get on t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, mugs, stickers, phone cases, you name it, you could probably get a design on it. Um, and you can customize the size, color, fabric on any piece of clothing. I, myself, during the filming of this, am wearing a tpublic shirt that I bought off of it. Uh, it's... A Cobra Kai shirt that's done like in a cool vintage style, so it looks like I've been practicing karate in it for at least 30 years. Uh, I haven't. I don't know how to do karate. I'm <laughs> so sorry. Yeah, all designs are made by indie artists getting a fair commission for their work, which is amazing. We, we love, love supporting artists. Uh, and when you buy a shirt from our Tee Public store, you're supporting an indie artist as well as this podcast. So if you love us, buy a T-shirt about it. Um, so <laughs> head over to tpublic.thefandomshow.com to check out all of our merch and favorite designs from Tee Public. That's tpublic.thefandomshow.com. And thank you so much, thank Tpublic, you. for your support. We love you so much. Thank you. We also do add uh, shirts to the store based on each of the episodes we record. I have not picked the designs for this one yet. Maybe I'll get Liz to help me pick out some fun <gasps> t-shirt designs. Fun. Cool. All right. Uh, we are jumping into hot takes. So we suited up and entered the multiverse of the internet to capture a gauntlet's worth of hot takes. Uh, so these are submitted by listeners of the show, oh. uh, random message boards. Oh. Uh, so we're just going to jump right in. This uh-huh. one is about the blip, and it's brought to you by our patron, Sean Gallagher. Uh-huh. So, if half the people in the world disappeared in an instant, uh-huh. society would collapse. Uh-huh. I don't care how inspiring the Avengers are. Entire countries would just collapse into warfare and chaos. And then all those people suddenly reappearing would cause a whole new collapse. Uh-huh. But none of that happened. 
Oh, good cue. <laughs> so I th I think I mentioned this earlier. The blip is such an interesting piece of the MCU that I don't think they have done the best job of exploring. They do reference several ways in which the world uh, has fallen apart uh, and countries' governments have collapsed in on themselves. Um, they reference it in Endgame. You know, and you, that Endgame is one of the only times you really do get to see kind of shots of what the world looks like in the blip. Um, you know, I, there's that one where all the boats are gathered around the Statue of Liberty, which I just find to be a lull, as if it was like, we got to spend time fetching the boats out of the ocean. <laughs> um, but They should have uh, got a millionaire to help them with their boats. I know. And I, anyway, I do think... Too many boats, MCU. <laughs> it's a classic boat issue for me. That's all I think about is <laughs> how much time we're spending on GD boats. Okay. But um, I do think... I do think they spend a little bit of time on how hard it was during the blip itself. I think that is owed more time um, than because so few, so few films and TV shows really. I think like Falcon and Winter Soldier, Soldier, Good Grief, spend some time on it. Um, Mostly the boat time. Wanda, it's a lot of boat time. Uh, <laughs> you know, they and they try to look at it, but it almost deserves its own kind of series. Of, yeah. Listen, MCU, I'll help you write it. Uh, the blip stories or whatever we want to call them. Uh, the blip ch years. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I do think for sure. And I think the the post blip, the biggest, <laughs> I kind of love when the MCU does this. To, to um, who gave us this question? Uh, this is Sean Gallagher. To Sean's point, the, <laughs> the MCU kind of brushes aside what it's like when everyone comes back. Um, the best part is in Spider-Man <laughs> when they show it far from home, when uh, they show the film of the basketball game and then the band pops back into existence <laughs> in the middle of the basketball game, as if that's the best representation of when people blip back. You know? You <laughs> also, wait, did the whole band well, it was as if, fall into the It was the blip as if category? when they blipped out, which is a laugh, there was, a, there was the marching band playing. And I guess a chunk of them blipped away, and now they're all playing, the other people are playing basketball, and the band comes back, and you're right, it's not the entire band, but it's a good chunk of the band, <laughs> comes back and pops in, and, and I feel like that was the MCU's like, yes, it was, it was tough. It, it was tough. <laughs> We've all been deeply affected. Yeah. Let me you tell know. you, the morale of our basketball team you dropped significantly. There's so many pieces of it. You can't imagine. Like, so many people must have blipped back and immediately been hit by a car. Or, like, or like airplanes must back have in crashed. An air, well, or been in an airplane and blipped back in the middle of the sky. Oh. Or, yeah, like, buildings that were built and then somehow destroyed through all of this. Yeah. And then you come back God. on this sixth floor that's totally. not there. And, and there's such a compelling show. I know. It I think they made it, cool. and I think it's called The Left and it has nothing it's to true. do with the afterwards. Oh my God, I forgot. Which but I've heard no, is an incredible show. I but. think, I do think that there is a lot of room for that and I think kind of the world government aspect of it um, deserves a lot of time because, you know, the, you get stuff where I think, you know, Aunt May was working for people who were displaced yeah. after the blip and that looks into it a little bit and we do, they do dig into it a little bit which is good but yes, I think there was, and we talk about it on Earth but of course, I think, Captain Marvel says at one point, you know, what's happening on Earth is happening literally everywhere. Um, so planets all across the galaxies are having this same issue. So I, I do I do think it's just one of those things, I think, in these kinds of series where it's too big to spend too much time on it. Yeah. And they can yeah. only give us these references unless they really want 
to spend real time and do a real series or film. Or yeah, something. I feel like if you try and get it into the movies, then you get into a real Trade Federation episode one <laughs> Star Wars problem <laughs> where everybody's like, we don't care. Stop we showing really us the political turmoil. Yeah, yeah I mean, unless, unless you want to tackle that, but I feel like that's got to be a different kind of yeah. film that's, yeah. that is about politics, not about and fun smashing I, ups. Can I just say, I, I, I've been lobbying for some time to have the politics part of and Star Wars would be love a to watch series. That. I think it would be so good. It would be fascinating, but you you kind of have to preface it that this is a political yeah, drama, I not, know, hey, know. finally Star Wars is back. Guess what? We're signing contracts. There's no match for <laughs> droid decas. Okay. Um, anyway, yeah, no, I think, I think definitely the blip deserves more, and they just, it's too big. I remember reading an article where I think Kevin Feige literally vetoed a retcon of the blip because it's so yeah. because it's so annoying that I think one writer was like, "What if we just didn't? <laughs> we just imagined it didn't happen." And it's like, <laughs> no, which I appreciate. You know what? They committed to this. This is this massive thing. It has to stay. Yeah. Anyway, it's too long for a hot take. I appreciate it. What's next? Uh, so this one is brought to you by listener Martin Scorsese, um, uh, who says Marvel films are not cinema. They are more akin to theme parks than art. Yeah. Yeah. You know how much art goes into theme parks? <laughs> oh my gosh. Imagineers. It's like it's a whole other it's conversation. Art and engineering smushed I, together. I struggle with this because what's the quote again? He said it's not cinema. Uh, Marvel films are not cinema. They're more akin to theme parks than art. Yeah. I think cinema is an interesting term there. I think uh, he is one of the auteurs of kind of the way cinema has been seen for the last, you know, 50 years, let's say, uh, which was so built off of certain pieces of of movie history. I can really dig into this. I'm not going to. I think when free. I think when movies first came into being, moving pictures, you know, and you'd go to the Nickelodeon or whatever, they were very akin to what um, the MCU is the same way that Shakespeare was very akin to these things where they are for the masses, mm -hmm. they're shocking, they're fun, they're a train coming towards you where you run out of the theater because you think you're going to be hit by a train. Yep. You know, these kind of sh amazing images, these awe-inspiring images, um, these characters that are larger than life. Um, and you kind of move through all of these, the films that we know to be the best films ever written or created. Um, and I think slowly... Yeah, short Circuit too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> slowly but surely we saw kind of film, quotes, quotes, evolve in a certain way that had to be um, certain things to be considered great. Serious. And, dramatic. Well, prestige drama. Well, and yes, and the perspective was kind of particularly male. And the... Mm -hmm. uh, the storylines had to follow a certain way. And, and not even that, but the way you were shooting it, if you were trying to be interesting, you know, there were, even that was kind of confined within it. it anyway, blah, blah, blah. I think there are some brilliant films. I think Scorsese obviously has done some incredible films. Um, some garbage. No, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I think um, these are, of course, they're part of what cinema is. They're what people are still going to see the movies for, for what we already talked about in terms of having that kind of feeling around you. I love um, cinema. I love films that are slow and 
character-driven or interesting to watch. And you're still going to get those. I think the fear is, and you can hear the fear in what he's saying and what other people are saying is, we are going to lose one for the other because now the only thing that anyone is willing to take a risk on are these big, ridiculous movies. And I think that is a, a, a scary thing. Because you don't want to be left in a situation where it's, you know, just Netflix and Amazon going to be making these little movies to get them any kind of a budget. Of course, we still want to have space in cinema for all of these different types of stories. Um, and I don't know how to kind of maintain that. I think we're in a really interesting place in terms of where we cons how we consume our media. But these are films, and they are enjoyable, and they're not taking away from what you are making what they what the what the real issue seems to be is the you know the producers and the, the these these houses that are saying we're not going to make anything else anymore we're not taking a risk i remember the friggin ridley scott last duel thing where it was like People were too stupid or something. Whatever <laughs> he was like, he was like, yep. people are on their phones too much to even go to a movie. And sure, to some extent, that's probably true. No one's watching TV anymore. They're watching YouTube and TikTok. Nobody's watching movies anymore. They're watching what you know, like yeah, yes. like go hang out with theater, talk to them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but also, if guess what? Opera had a rough go too. You know, like I think <laughs> at some point you have to kind of change up how you work and how you engage with different audiences and maybe it'll make a comeback and maybe certain things will live. But that I think that's just part of how we evolve. And if you are a brilliant creator, you're going to find ways to make sure people get to see your films and your creations. And yeah. maybe it shifts the way that we start interacting with them. I don't know. I, don't, I think there's a lot to be, I think this conversation is a massive one, but I I do, I think it's more, I hear the fear in those kinds of comments. Absolutely. But also a compelling story is a compelling story. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you are telling a compelling story, be it in uh, a large scale action sequence or, uh, you know, an art house film filmed entirely in black and white with subtitles, uh, tell a good story and people will watch it. I think mm -hmm. uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once is a good example of that. Of just incredible like, film. It was an incredible film. Um, I would argue that cinema Scorsese might be like, yeah, but there was action sequences, therefore. <laughs> well, and I don't think that's I don't think that's the point he's making either. I think it's that you don't think he's making. <laughs> he's probably doing a lot of. <laughs> but I think it comes down to stuff like when we talked about previs, where these movies are not even movies in the way that he or others might recognize them. You have a writer, the writer writes the film, the director takes over and, you know, decides where it's how it's going to take shape, the vision of it, the way we need the DOP and the performers get, and you get to work on it together and you get to piece it and you get this project, this kind of fascinating, cool, holistic project. These are, here's the movie. <laughs> we made it. Look at the images. You as a director now kind of get to slot in the stuff you need. The script is a bit of a hoopty doopty and uh, performers do what you can. It's not, it is a bit of a laugh. Yeah. But we're having fun. Yeah. And it's it's on a big screen in a dark room and we're going to have fun with it. So yeah. fuck it. Like, let's yeah. just watch the movies. 
Also, this is just a big conversation that happens in fandom in general. Um, and sorry, I know we're not getting to a ton of hot takes, but this is just <laughs> such a fascinating conversation. Um, in that, like, this conversation has been had over and over and over and over yeah. since the dawn of time. Like, the new when, thing's gonna ruin the old thing. Absolutely. Like mm-hmm. when Charles Dickens published a novel, people said people said that was trash and no one would ever work again because they would be too busy reading. Yeah, like, newspapers <laughs> came out and they're like, "Well, there goes the neighborhood. I'm <laughs> gonna be reading a newspaper." Absolutely. So and so, like, be, yeah, yeah, exactly. TV was considered that. Like, I know that while I was growing up, I uh, liking Buffy was like, oh, that's trash. Mm-hmm. And this other good thing is art. And now Buffy is more and more considered art. And what is it? Is it just time? Like, what if we just considered everything that we created art and went from there? You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, the gatekeeping doesn't do us any good. And if you love it and if it moves you, then it counts. Yeah. I Yeah. The only thing I just, I would push and I, I, this is going to sound annoying and doyoy, but <laughs> I feel like if there is a movie you want to see that is interesting or different, go and see it in a theater if you can. Pay or, for it. Or pay for it via whatever kind of platform you need to pay for it from, if that means Cineplex here in Canada. Like, I just think uh, what I find in myself is I'll go to the more kind of experience-based movies where I want to go with yeah. friends and it's going to be fun and wild and the and the smaller films you know a uh, friggin worst person in the world I'll stream it quietly like I <laughs> I think it's like no those are the movies you pay for yeah because you need we need to be saying I still want to watch these I need to be telling all of these production companies that these are the movies that I still absolutely want to watch too mm-hmm. yeah so I try to find I try to strike the balance there for myself of like okay I don't want this to just fall into nothing is my one ticket going to make a big deal no but if you know, all of us attempt to do that in some way. I, of course, it will. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is, of course, we know you pay for everything you ever watch. I've right? everyone ever who listens and everyone participating has paid for everything always. Everything ever, always. Always, all at once. Always, all, <laughs> all, everything all, everywhere, all, 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 all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. But even in so far as, like, you know, if you're watching something with a friend, or I don't know, it doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> We're fine. What's another hot take? Uh, Tony Stark is the overarching villain of the MCU. That is from at Cyril Fagus. Lord. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) like yeah sure (laughs) I mean uh, inevitably the whole first arc and Infinity War this is so wanky we're getting into it I think is like uh, yes he is kind of the 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 superhero and the antihero of the whole piece he he keeps creating the villains in a way Uh, whether it's Ultron literally being created by him or, you know, Thanos, who he loves to antagonize, but also is, you know, it's that, that whatever the line that happens that's like, they're aware because now we're, I think Thor is like, the world is ready for a higher form of war or something stupid. Um, <laughs> and I think, uh, I think, yes, I, I think uh, Iron Man kind of continuously creates these uh, situations and... Uh, exacerbates the problems, but no. <laughs> okay, this is just a side question. It's more as like civil work and yeah. uh, should they be registered or not? Oh, the heroes? Yeah, should I be. mean, so this, uh, that's something where it would have been so beautiful to have the X-Men start to come into. Yeah, because that's such a huge part of yeah. that and I was so sad that they couldn't put that in and there they, for like, and rights And they're starting reasons. to 
but now the rumblings are, you know, where they're going to start to show up. Because we've already had them as... Um, we had Quicksilver. Enhanced, they're called. Yes. Um, as opposed to being able to call them mutants. But I think... So they do exist within the MCU. Yeah, yeah, both Wanda and uh, her brother, Pietro. R.I.P. Or not. Um, I, th- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, true of every character in the universe. Uh, I think... That is where, you know, the registering, oof, that's tough because no, and yet, um, and (laughs) when, I think when you got to the Sokovia Accords parts where it was like, here's all the damage you've done. I think actually that was tackling something that happens so much in action movies and in superhero movies, which I love of like, well, they did just drive through four buildings, <laughs> but I guess they caught that one guy. <laughs> like, the Avengers leveled New York, but yeah. hey, yeah. good for them. But I mean, and so the Avengers one that I find interesting is is the, you know, in, in Avengers, uh, the main one, when the portal is opened. No, that was not their fault of where it happened. Yes. And I think they're trying to shoehorn it in of like, oh, it's on top of Stark's building because of course it was going to be on top of Stark's building. But it's like, whatever. It was going to happen in a populous place. That was Loki's plan. Um, Did they level New York? Yes. I don't think that's a perfect example of what would you have done differently? Okay, tell me what you would have done differently. Fair point. I retract my statement. Go on. <laughs> but but there are other situations um, that are, absolutely. And I think a lot of them are on a more micro level where stuff just fully gets destroyed. And you're like, you didn't have to fight this person. <laughs> you really, like, you could have tracked them somewhere else and figured Maybe it out. Maybe to a field. Go to a field. Upstate New York. They have to have their favorite fighting fields by now. <laughs> <laughs> the Avengers <laughs> complex is up in a bit of a I field mean, area. listen, it's it's one of these things where it's like, Doctor Strange is on speed dial. Just get him to friggin' portal them somewhere and just deal with them there. Like, yeah. I do, like let's use our heads, people. Yeah, it's a real meet me at the flagpole after <laughs> school kind of situation. <laughs> Even the, sp- like, little Spider-Man, like, friggin' breaking everything. Just, just take it. Easy to catch one person. Just anyway. try moving to a smaller town, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I. Oof, it's such a. It's such a. It's such an annoying one. No, I don't think they need to be registered. But yes, I would argue that there does need to be some kind of. Regulatory oversight. Body. Yes, oversight. Yeah. So this one is from friend of the podcast, Alex Kalenko. Oh, uh, I think this is... <laughs> <laughs> no, Alex Friend of the Kalenko. podcast, no, this, is a, I, this is actually a great... But uh, can I just really quickly say, Alex Kalenko and I have distinctly the exact opposite. I love this. Like, so this opinions a, on every movie ever. Except... If he likes it. Paddington, Paddington 2. Paddington 2. <laughs> which we're going to bring both of you on for your fandom for Paddington <laughs> That's 2. That's actually a, a remarkable idea. It's an incredible movie. Um, okay. So this is, Marvel has brought in an age of sexless movies. <laughs> Their movies have at most a chaste kiss and being and by being the standard in Hollywood and the only movies that get significant budgets has changed the taste of the average moviegoer in the last decade. Marvel has made characters solely be things to put Joss Whedon banter into. Okay. <laughs> I love that two, there's two huge Buffy fans on this podcast, and we're still like, fuck Joss Whedon. Yeah, truly. Um, I'm so sorry. Co- I just want to make sure I'm understanding the question. He's we want to know. It's a sexless- he's like, I'm real horny where my movie's at. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> because that's what I'm uh, hearing. But I mean, ultimately, Alex. like, if you look at, I uh, will use my Captain America log moment, that's probably the most <laughs> sexual moment in the whole yeah. franchise. Amer- America's ass. Yeah, like, that's about as sex sexual as it gets. Yeah. True. With a bunch of people in tight spandex running around. I um, mean, um, yeah, I think the movies 
there's a, suffers from so many parts of not having kind of interpersonal connections generally. So I think like having deep friendships, having romantic relationships, uh, parental relationships, we really only get, because of what we talked about, we only get them on screen for like maybe four minutes yeah. of the film. They require time. And they need time. And so I think I actually... If you just had a sex scene in there, I think myself and many people would be like, what? Why? <laughs> like, it, would, it would seem weird. Like, it would yeah. seem like either two people, like two strangers, can I swear? Yeah, absolutely. Fucking. Or it would seem like, or. If we said no, what were you going to say? Blanking. <laughs> um, but That's I think. Marvel kind of attitude for you. But I truly, it's like, what? what? Like, I'm trying to even think of the characters, you know, you have. Probably the longest lasting relationship in the show is Pepper Cho movies, Pepper and uh, Tony. And there's very little there. People will say there's no chemistry. I don't think there was even a chance to have real chemistry yeah, play out. Yeah. But I think, um, yeah, I mean, I'm all for getting horned up in the in the movies for sure, Alex. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it up. But I think, <laughs> I, I don't think, it doesn't feel like I'm really missing it. it the movies would need to change in ways that I do think they should. I do think the movies do need to slow down a little bit, and I think they are. Start, we're starting to see certain versions of that yeah. happen a little bit. I think like the Wanda and Vision storyline was kind of interesting in that way. Um, but at the end of the day, too, there just hasn't been enough time, I think, for these kind of this chemistry to really develop between characters, which is what you need. And I don't think, frankly, I'm gonna say it, no one really has had chemistry with each other romantically. I don't think that's what the Marvel Universe is for. No, but even so, I'm like, we're I know, watch, Jessica we're Jones had some good some hot chemistry going yes, on. Yes, I will. That's the true. shows that was a lot the of shows sex. are always a bit better and those shows it's always an interesting one cuz it's like do they count who's to say? But um Marvel. Well, yeah, but they're anyway. The, def <laughs> the Defenders kind of occupy this weird but I hear you. And especially now with Remember when I said I was going to do it in one word? Um, <laughs> but then I said Alex Click with Daredevil coming back. Anyway, um, I just think I just think it's not really that I would rather see more kind of deepened relationships, mm -hmm. and then sure bring sex onto screen. I don't think it's changed. I'm going to go ahead and say it, Alex. I don't think it's changed how horny people are uh, <laughs> generally. I don't think it's nothing made, ever will. I don't think it's made the public. Uh, shocked by sex now um but i do i do think that you know it, we what we miss overall in these films are these deeper relationships yeah oh. and a boinking and it's interesting because i think about this and then i think about like lord of the rings is that in lord of the rings they tried to put in some of the romance stories and it felt weird to me it was just like cool aragorn and arwen i don't care get back to the quest like yeah. get back to the adventure so I also think both that movie and this franchise have it's a lot of friggin cis hetero male dudes running around Sect. like just running around being like swinging oh, their thingies yeah truly and and uh, not being given the leeway to yeah. have these kinds of relationships or this kind of sexuality so I think as the franchise expands further and adds more of these characters, we will see more space for these kinds yeah. of relationships to evolve. But when it was mostly those characters, it truly, it, the sex scenes were literally like, I'm going to hit you with a log and I'm going to punch you with my ding dong. Hammer. <laughs> 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 um, and last but not least, just because I have to ask Liz in one brief sentence, do you have any hot take that you would like to <laughs> what, add? What's here? your hottest take? What's you your hottest take? To say? I'll give, I can give one. You give one. Great. Hawkeye. Bye-bye. Don't care about you. Get out. Great. <laughs> Kaya? 
I like Spider-Man. <laughs> okay. I think, wow, wow. I think the term hot take hot has take been misrepresented really just... to me. <laughs> I thought this was supposed to be controversial takes. I panicked. Oh, wait. Actually, I do have a controversial take. Okay. I do not like tech-heavy Spider-Man. I like mm. inventor Spider-Man. I mm. like clever Spider-Man. I like Spider-Man who uses his, his version of things to do. I do not like um, tech-sponsored Spider-Man. That is my hot take. Yeah. All right. And I think, we, I think we're going to see that now that everything Unfortunately, has changed. Yes. Yeah. Which is kind of exciting, but, but yeah. I'm a grandpa and I want everything to do, everyone to do everything the old fashioned way. <laughs> okay, what is my hot fucking take? I don't know. I'm, uh, I think, I think too much. Too much. I yep, think they're yep. doing. I think they're doing way too much, and that's probably not even that hot to take. I think they're doing way too much in the moment. I think a new series every month is an absurd calendar to try to hold to. Yeah. Uh, I think you're not giving the audience enough time to keep up with you. Um, you're RuPaul's Drag Racing it. Yeah, it Give is. Give us some breathing room. It's, you ne- we're, we're getting exhausted and they're doing it with friggin' Star Wars and they're doing it with this and I'm just like, give us a minute. These movies worked because we had to wait and we had to talk to each other about what we thought was going to happen and we're not getting any time to do that. Yeah. Totally. All right. Um, well, at the end of every episode, we like to share our micro-fandoms for the week, which we will do in just a moment. But before we do, let's talk about how you can support our show. There are many free ways, and all of them would be greatly appreciated. Uh, number one, you're doing it. You're listening to it. Thank you so much. Um, if you're listening to it, uh, hopefully you like it, and hopefully you tell your friends about it, be they your nerdy friends, be they your coworkers. Just talk to people about this uh, because uh, that's super helpful to us. Uh, and get on your podcast provider of choice, though ideally Apple Podcasts. Do a little rate, review, and subscribe uh, for this one. Uh, if just just one word helps us, so maybe put up boinking. I don't know, uh, <laughs> and we'll know that you listen to this episode, and it'll help us move up the charts so that more people can listen and become fan fans. Yeah, and if you want to be sort of part of the fan fan army of sorts, um, but not army that people have already taken that, uh, <laughs> uh, you can send us compliments at the Fandom Show Pod. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, what's our Twitter thing again? We at never Fandom write it down. Show Pod. What? It's right there. <laughs> oh, I thought that was our Instagram. Damn it! I'm so sorry. Um, and uh, you can find us also on the Fandom Show. We also now have a Discord, and you can come and chat with us about the stuff that you like, um, because it's been a very good time. So that's linked on our on all our social medias. You can find the link to that Discord. It's on the From Superheroes Discord. Last but not least, you can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thefandomshow, where you can throw some of your hard-earned dollars our way. For a couple bucks a month, you can listen to episodes early, get a shout-out, or even submit hot takes for upcoming episodes. So check it out, and thank you so much for your support. Uh, and our theme song is by Yusu Kim and our adorable little logo uh, is by John Blair. Yeah. All right. Now for the micro fandoms of the week. Kaya, what are you fanning out over? Oh my gosh. So um, I just, uh, they just released a new uh, version of uh, The Last of Us. Uh, It's a re-release version of the very first uh, game. And even though I have played it before and I know everything that happens as soon as I watched the trailer, I was like, I want to play it. But also it got me really back into the music, um, which I believe is by Gus. Gustavo uh, Santolala, I believe is his name. Um, but man, that music is so, 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 so good. So evocative. I'm fanning out about it hard this week. It's too scary. It's yeah. too scary for me. And I love it. <laughs> How um, scary. Liz, what's your fi- mini fandom of the week? Okay, okay, okay. My mini fandom of the week is, I just read the newest book by uh, Emily St. John Mandel, uh, which is called Sea of Tranquility. And if you've read her other books, she wrote... Um, Station Eleven, which got made into the TV show, which I have a lot of opinions on. Bring me back. Um, 
<laughs> because I don't think, anyway, it doesn't matter. It's all set in Toronto and they decided to set it in Chicago even they filmed it in Toronto. It was a bit of a nightmare for me. But anyway, um, <laughs> they, so she started with that book, huge success. She wrote the, her second, well, the, she's written others, but in this kind of world, she wrote The Glass Hotel and then she's just written The Sea of Tranquility. And these books, if we want to talk about, oh boy, I'm going to say it, multiverses, there is a level of connection in these books um, that doesn't, in my reading, I haven't experienced. She writes speculative fiction in such a cool way, and um, these characters link up in a way that it, it, there's no narrative connection. It's you gotta read them. Just read them. Oh. The new and the newest book is a quick read, and it goes. It's kind of spanning between the 1912 and 22,400 and something, and it's so cool. It's so good. You should read them, I and will. then tell me what you think. I want to do that. <laughs> All right, Steph, bring us home. Uh, Steph's going to bring us home with, uh, this is my fun fandom that I'm fanning over right now. I'm pulling it up because I have too many things. Oh, um, so the day we're recording this, uh, BTS uh, just dropped a new album this week. Mm. I have controversial feelings about it because most of it is just a re-release of songs that they've already released and released uh, three new songs. But anytime that they're doing any sort of activity, my social media really lights up and just watching everyone, it brings so much joy to people around the world in sometimes a little like over the top ways. Um, like uh, ARMY thinks that BTS can do no wrong. So every song that comes out is like, this is perfect and it changed my life. Um, Best and, song ever made. And while I don't necessarily feel that way, I get so excited watching other people live out the joy of their fandom. So that's what it's going to be. It's called Proof. It's available wherever you listen to albums, I guess. And if you listen to it and hear the, the three new songs, let me know what you think about it. I would love to talk about it because I have strong feelings. Mm. Excellent. Liz, thank yeah. you so much for being here. This thank was an absolute you. joy. Um, I think we solved a lot of problems and uh, we felt a lot of things about boats. Um, <laughs> a lot of things about boats. <laughs> a lot of things Maybe about boats. Maybe my hot take should have been bring back Liv Tyler. <laughs> oh. Okay. Okay. That's for a different episode. Um, where can people find you? Anything you want to plug? Oh, you can find me at at Liz Johnston 12 for no real reason. <laughs> I love the number. On everything. Yeah, I guess it's like related to my birthday. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's where you can find me. Come check out Second City. Come check out other stuff on the internet. Liz Johnston. That's me. It's me, Liz. Do I keep going? No, you're good. No, that's great. That's great. <laughs> Don't add her, but do add her. Do um, add her. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, love the things you love and tell everyone about them. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bring back Liv Tyler. <laughs> The Fandom Show is produced by Andrew Ivamy as part of the From Superheroes Network. For more great podcasts like this, as well as webcomics, articles, and so much more, visit FromSuperheroes.com.